Welcome to the Nativist Podcast, where we tap into our instinct and natural power to live intuitively. The ultimate goal is to leave the world healthier and more beautiful than we found it. It all starts on the individual level by cultivating our mind-body connection. Whether you're on a healing journey or just want to look and feel your best, I hope by the end you feel a little happier, a little more inspired, and a little more invested in yourself and the world. Please remember to subscribe to this podcast and leave a review. Thank you. Hey, amigos and amigas. So happy you're here. Thank you. Thank you for taking this time for you, for taking this time for others. Especially with this episode, this is definitely one that has a ripple effect that applies to not only you and how you relate to yourself, but how you relate to others. And today's topic might seem a little heavy at first. It doesn't have to be. And hopefully you find some definite value from it. And today we're talking about grief. We're talking about loss. We're talking about how to handle your own loss because it's inevitable. It is a constant and it is universal. It's something that we all share, whether you have experienced loss thus far. It doesn't matter because you will. And... You can let that tank you and tank your day and tank your thoughts, or you can accept it and figure out how to accept it, even possibly embrace it. That might sound a little radical, but again, doesn't have to be. It depends on your perspective. We get into that. We get into how perspective matters a lot, especially it's really interesting how perspectives can differ from culture to culture, whereas other cultures, especially Eastern cultures, have a very different take on loss and death and how they approach it and how they treat it. And so think about that. Maybe widen your perspective, explore other ways of dealing with loss. And so that could maybe help you. Again, like if you've experienced loss or now or in the future, and also it can help you with how to help others through it and how to relate to them if they're experiencing it. So this, in this episode, my beautiful friend Sydney Hammond joins us and shares her own experience of loss. And she's a repeat guest. I've had her on before and she's talked about this and she'll be talking more in depth about it, about her specific experience with loss. And so she provides some valuable, very valuable insights and tips from her own personal experience, as well as her studies into forensic psychology. So she draws from that. So this is, this is a very psych, psychology heavy episode. I mean, shocker, you know me, if you've listened to this, you listen to any of my episodes, love my psychology. I studied psych too in college. And so love it. It informs so much of who we are and what we do, obviously goes without saying, But what I want you to get from this is how to view loss of your own and also others, what to say, and this will help guide you through what to say to others and what not to say to others. If you recognize some of the things that have been said that we advise against saying, don't beat yourself up. It's a new day. This is a new moment. And just try to re-strategize going forward. And remember, everybody experiences it differently. So a lot of these are generalities and maybe how I experience loss will be different from how you experience it. What helps me and what help, would help 
me hear you say might be different from what would help you hear me say, if that makes sense. And so just keep that in mind too. Basically just want to help us connect to each other, connect to ourselves and try to be there for one another and try to expand our perspectives, expand our horizons and just cope with the inevitable and even learn to be okay with it. And even this sounds weird. I get this sounds weird, but even celebrate it in a way because loss can enrich our lives in so many ways. And that sounds really weird. This is especially coming on the heels of me losing my dog. One of my dogs, I had two. I had one that I quote unquote adopted for my sister, got full custody after my niece was born and recently had to put him down. And that was gutting. And then that first week, I'll say that first week, I was just a puddle of tears and I would break down and just sob and sob and sob. And then weirdly, magically, the next week, I've just felt so at peace. And it's been a few weeks now and I still feel at peace. Who knows? There's still like that bittersweet longing and nostalgia. But again, who knows? Grief isn't linear and how we process it can all be different. So let's be gentle with others. Let's be gentle with ourselves. Let's not subject ourselves and others to timelines. And let's just try to learn how we can better be there for one another. I would love to hear what you think about this episode. Thank you so much. And here it is. Love you all. Okay, so happy to be having this conversation today. Sydney is in the hello, house. Hello, I'm so hello. happy you're here. <laughs> Me too. I'm I am really, too. and yeah, and I don't just say that tritely, absolutely mean it because this is a conversation that needs to be had. Oh, yes. That oh you need to listen to. Yes. You need to have, you need to think about. And that's because this applies to all of us. To everyone. Every single one. If you're one. a human being, yes. loss applies to you. You're going to deal with it. Yeah. And it's something that is really uncomfortable to talk about. It's uncomfortable to think about yeah. precisely because it affects all of us and will affect all of us. Yeah. Maybe if it's not something that you have a lot of experience with currently, mm-hmm. you will and or yourself or someone that you know. And let's right from the get-go, let's also kind of say how, how much loss will affect you, maybe not in the way that you think. So mm-hmm. maybe it's loss of an identity. Mm-hmm. Maybe you go from being married to single, yeah. maybe you About go from bar- yeah. I mean, there's so many other types of grieving than just to, yeah. So. You go from being a career person to being a stay-at-home parent, yeah. or oh God, no. yeah, or any you lose, you lose a pet, mm-hmm. you lose family member, yeah. you lose a loss, way of life, man, <laughs> loss across the board. So just kind of reframe your mind to think of loss in those broad terms painting broadly here and narrowly here but just the point is is to think about how it affects you maybe in ways that you don't think and we're so I think reluctant and hesitant and scared to talk about it because Mm -hmm. it can be so heavy yeah it's so gutting and hard-hitting well it's heavy to go through something that you changes you completely yeah I mean you are completely changed by loss in, in and everyone in different ways and everyone by different means but it's it's scary to be like oh I'm I'm this person today and I don't want to think about you know because change in and of itself is scary Absolutely. and especially unexpected traumatic change that mm. 
that impacts your mind, your body, your soul, your, and it's, and it's, it's scary. It's scary for, for the ones that love you. It's, and, and that's kind of what I want to talk about as well is how the ones that love you can help you through your losses and how you can help them because like you said, everyone is going to deal with a loss, unfortunately, in some way or another. And, and it's something we have to talk about. Yes. I am yes. tired of people not talking about it when it affects us all. Talking about it generally and talking about it specifically when it happens to you or to someone you know. Yeah. And so think about it in that way too. So whether you're whether or not you're currently dealing with the loss, think about how you can approach this and think about this in relation to someone who's going through it. Yeah. So think about this if you're if you've lost and or if you're trying to help someone through a loss Mm -hmm. or relate to someone through a loss. And it's a conversation. I know that we keep saying this, but we can't emphasize it enough how important it is to have, but also how important it is to not avoid. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's that awkward feeling that people are inevitably going to have about talking or trying to be there for someone that they can't imagine what they're going through. But that's just it. You, you know, you can't imagine what they're going through. Even if you've suffered a loss, everyone's is different for everyone. There's this neuroscientist, I was watching her TED talk the other day, and she was talking about um, loss and grieving. And she mentioned that one in 10 people will experience grief in a extremely detrimental different type of way and I'm like one in ten people and we all go through loss so like everyone I can't do the math but I'm like a lot of people <laughs> in a the lot world. of humans that's a lot but you know I can do that kind yeah. of quick math a lot <laughs> I'm like a lot but that's you know and it's and to to the point that you know this trauma generally and one thing I want to touch on too um being in graduate school for forensic psychology and learning about all of that and then going through my own um traumatic event and uh really diving into mental health as as much as I possibly can I want so bad for humans to start using correct terminology when addressing certain things like especially with trauma we have got to stop being like oh my gosh that's traumatic or that's that's a trauma when we're just talking about a stressful situation Mm. because it really undermines when someone is talking about a trauma that they have actually gone through which is actually you know a a threatening to a person to for injury or death or something that they've witnessed, witnessing something like that, um, those are defined as traumatic um, because they're deeply stressful to the point that they can cause medical problems and mental problems and all of those different issues. So I think that using correct terminology when we're talking about stuff like that can kind of get rid of the whole, you know, like, I don't know, like talk, like not wanting it to talk about it to it. people. Yeah, yeah it degrades it. Degrades really bad. It. And that's why people are like, well, you know, I went through this traumatic event, but it's like, I don't want to talk about it because, I mean, you might hear someone be like, oh my gosh, I was so traumatized today because so-and-so walked out the door and it scared me or whatever. And it's like, I get it. Sometimes we're just like, ah, what? and it's like word, word vomit. But I want us to like think about that more. As, as I go through my program, it's like, mm, there are words used that 
people like my friends use that I'm like, oh my gosh, this is not applicable. And this is different from comparative suffering and comparative trauma describing. Yes. So you have the big T and the little T with trauma and Mm -hmm. what may be traumatic, truly traumatic for you may not be so for me and vice versa. Yeah. And so it's not like, oh, that's no big deal. Why Mm -hmm. is she having such a hard time with that? Why is he having such a rough go with that? Yeah. You don't get to decide and control how someone responds to a certain stimulus or a traumatic event or situation. Yeah. You just don't. Yeah. yeah. And for people that, talking to people that have um, suffered traumatic events, whether it be through loss or, you know, um, all the other things that impact you in a way that, that has, has threatened your, your mind, your body, your soul, um, and caused you just unbelievable distress those people that might be saying those things of you know they oh they should probably be over it by now or they should move at this pace or they have this timeline or anything like that is is so condescending to think that you have the right to say about anybody going through anything even if you've been through the same and ignorant yes because you just don't know what variables are at play you have no idea and how you respond to one situation may differ from if you were to respond to the same situation a week later a year later Mm -hmm. there's so many ingredients in the mix that control and influence how you're going to respond and you who am i to say how you should respond to something they love to do it though oh my goodness that would spend probably the you know after so I had lost my boyfriend in um May of 2019 so that has been the hardest thing I have ever gone through in my life and the most traumatizing and I'm still working on myself every single day um and some days are okay. Some days are absolutely horrible. And some days I reach out and other days I'm like, no, that's, I'm, I'm a bother. I'm this, I'm that. And I'm like, stop thinking like that because that is not how it should be. And it's hard to get past that when you're hearing from other people, oh my gosh, she's just like too sad all the time. Or like, she's a drag. Like, I've literally been texted that Mm. by people that I considered my friends before this happened. And I'm like, whoa. How did that help me heal? How did that help me heal? (laughs) Good Lord. All right. Let me just, like, get over it real quick. Like, you know, and yeah. Well, and healing has no time frame. And and it's not linear. It's not linear. Oh, my God. Like, it's it's insane because the way that it affects your brain is going to be absolutely different for everyone because we all have different chemical levels and our personality traits, our characteristic traits are all so different. I mean, think of how we view politics and all the different things. How come we are more comfortable talking about politics out at the bar than we can even talk about like, you know, hey, you just lost your mom. I just want to let you know that I can't imagine what you're going through and I'm here and um, there's no need to, you don't have to get back to me or anything, but like, I'm here and I love you. And then, you know, okay. Yeah, um, that's wonderful. Like, I would have loved that. But I got a lot of, I didn't want to bring it up. I didn't want to make you sad. And it's like, before I had suffered this loss, before I had gone through this traumatic event, I was on that level too. I was like, I, I don't know how to respond to this. I don't really know how to. And then going through it, yes, definitely did help me more. But 
the information that we now have at our fingertips to be able to look into things that we can do and say, freaking do it. <laughs> Just make a quick Google search, watch a TED talk or something because there is so much more information. Um, we do still very much so though lack information on grief because we aren't able to research it the way that scientists would like to. I mean, we can't, you know, do experiments on grief and, and, and take a couple into a room or take, you know, and be like, okay, you will never see this person again. Let's see how you react over the next few months. So that's, that's the hardest part with grief. And that's why so many people are uncomfortable with it because it's not backed by, you know, this is how you'll feel. These are the stages. These are, you know, and that's the other thing too that I really, I really hated when people were like, well, you're just going through this stage. I was like, I've gone through this stage 12 times. <laughs> Again, not linear. <laughs> Again, yes. absolutely. Be sick like, yeah, yes. absolutely not linear and, and, uh, and just not the same. And that has to do with, you know, my characteristics and of course, how my body and mind respond to trauma and mine didn't respond very well. I, I stopped eating. I had no appetite whatsoever. And it was something that, you know, I, I like food. I would have loved to like eat, but I just could not eat. It was one of those things. I was drinking insurers. I was like, okay. And jokingly, my friends would be like, oh my gosh, you're drinking insurance. You're like a grandma, you know? And it's like, yeah. And I'm, I, I joke. And in the beginning, it was a little bit more hurtful. And then it was like, no, this is just like my life. And I had to just really accept that and go for that and know that if I want to be healthy again and work through this, this is a step I have to take. And other people need to just, if, if you're choosing to be in my life, if you're in my life, you're taking this step with me and you're not going to tell me how to do it. We can't fix everything, guys. Like, you can't fix someone. You just can't. You can't fix someone that's dealing with substance abuse. You can't fix someone that's dealing with mental health issues, like, completely. They're still going to struggle in their own ways. You can't fix someone. You know, we can't do that for someone else. And ask a good question to ask yourself yeah. is why you feel compelled yeah. to fix it. Yeah. And part of that is your own discomfort. Mm -hmm. That's a hundred an inconvenient truth. But part of it truly, yep. if you really dig down into it, it's because you're not comfortable with yeah. that vulnerability. You're not comfortable with that because it kind yep. of brings up your or your own mortality and potential yeah. loss and grief. And so part of that is your own discomfort. Yeah. And then also, I mean, could be codependence that could come in there, but also your need to control your need to control life, your yeah. need for order, your oh need God. for And we are not in control of anything. <laughs> We're not. We are and not that's something that we just need to accept. Yeah. Yes. And it's something that as much as we, you know, people say it, it's like, I understand I can't control everything. Like, love you, mom. But <laughs> she's like, I can't, we can't control everything. And then I single-handedly watch her, like, control <laughs> everything. <laughs> And I'm like, well, you know, I get that. I get the want to and the need to because the unknown and the things that we can go through or lose is absolutely terrifying. Oh, it is. It's absolutely terrifying. And, and yeah, and I, that was, you brought up a good point. That was something that I hadn't given a lot of thought to when I first um, lost uh, Matthew was how my friends were going to react to my grief because I that was not at all a thought that crossed my mind until being with my friends and, and having one of my really close friends that's been there for me from day one and really just been through it all with me. Um, 
had uh, said to me one day and I was really taken by it. She said, you know, Sydney, it wasn't until going through this with you and, you know, seeing, seeing you go through such an intense traumatic thing and your grieving process that really made me think about how scared I am to lose someone one day. Mm. And I was like, ah, like part of me felt guilt and bad for leaning on her and needing her through my process because I did go like my process started at 22. That didn't mean like, you know, hers should have or anything or that she should start thinking like that. But it's also something that I'm not going to stray away from people and kick people out of my life to, I'm an empath, but like, if I need you, like, I don't want to just spare your feelings. I'm going to need you. Otherwise, like that's trauma. And, and the, what it does to you is it it can be deadly. It's very scary. Literally deadly. Literally. And that's, that's important to remember a good baseline rule of thumb is to just not add more to the grieving person's burden. Mm -hmm. So whether that's you projecting because you're thinking about your own issues or mortality Mm -hmm. or discomfort with the subject or the situation, Mm -hmm. like, oh, God, that makes me think of how this could affect me. This makes me think of what could happen to me in the future. And or you're trying to control them so that adds to their burden too because you're not comfortable with this. You're not comfortable with these big feelings. You're not comfortable with this subject matter. So you kind of want to just expedite it. They think that they're not grieving right. They're like, wait, you're telling me that like I should be, I should be in a different place by now. Right. Am I totally like not normal? Am I not okay? Am I... No. Ironically, that just delays it. So if you're trying oh to my speed God. it along, <laughs> yeah. Oh my God, my, my grieving process. <laughs> I can honest to God say that my grieving process has been horrific in so many ways mm. due to the fact that I've had to do so much alone. I have had to grieve so much alone, and while some of that is is needed and healthy and I wanted to be alone. There's so much that uh, could have completely changed how I was grieving that day Mm. or that week or that night or anything like that um, because of what someone would say or could say. And it's not that, you know, you just, I mean, if someone goes through something traumatic and you truly just can't take that on because you don't have the, the emotional capacity for it. Be honest about it. Talk about it. You know, have a conversation. But in no way, shape, or form is being a hostile person towards someone that you don't understand what they're feeling ever okay. And ever going to make you feel better or them feel better. You're making their their process much harder and longer. longer. Yeah. Yeah. And that's important to note, though, too, is maybe you don't have the bandwidth or the... Sorry, my mom's calling me, of course. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe you don't have the mental capacity right then or the emotional capacity. That's okay because you have to honor your own and you have to take care of that. But like Sydney said, respond with honesty and respond with love. Yeah. So just let them them know that you care. And we'll share some guidance and tips along the way. Yeah. if you're recognizing some of your, your responses and what we've been saying, don't beat yourself up. Don't kick yourself to yeah. death. 
that's why we're here. Yeah. So thank you for listening. Yes. Because it's been hard. You haven't necessarily been given the tools yeah. to know what to say or to know how to respond. And that's why this is so important. So we're yeah. in this together and we're learning from each other. And yeah. also each situation is different. So different. So like what Sydney says will help her will not necessarily help you or someone else. Yeah. And so that's why it's important to customize it and mm-hmm. to ask the person. Yeah. Like, well, in a lot of times. show up for you? Yeah. Yes. Well, in a lot of times especially it's like we are trying to when we're trying to help someone that's going through the unthinkable you know don't overdo it you don't have to send them this you know long 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 message or this perfectly said you know you will never have the perfect words like ultimately it's simple And I know, like, it's very simple. There are so many just little simple things that you can do that will help a traumatized person or a person going through grief. And those things all correlate in some way to providing them even just a tiny bit of relief, whether it's relief over not having to make dinner because you dropped off food or relief over, you know they have all of these decisions to make and plans to make and you just pick up their kids and take them for ice cream or you just, you know, all of those little things that people are like, "Mm, well, I don't want to make that risky behavior. What if they didn't want me to or what if they didn't? I get that. I I thought the same exact way until going through it when you are sitting at home by yourself and you wish someone would walk in the door. But you're not going to call anyone. That's also the problem with, you know, oh, well, let me know if you need anything. They're not going to let you know. A big majority of the time. I mean, again, it's different for everyone. Personality traits, characteristics, all of that stuff plays a major role in in, in your reaction. But a lot of the time, traumatized people are not going to ask. So it's more so in how you say it than what you're saying. Mm-hmm when you, you know, are trying to help a grieving friend or loved one, instead of saying, let me know if I can get you anything, just say, hey, I'm having pizza delivered to your house tonight. Eat something. Love yeah. you. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Yes. Yeah. And or, because I, oh I would always be crippled with indecision, like, oh, well, what if they have all these dietary restrictions? Or what if yeah. this? Or what if I'm intruding? Or what? Because I'm a very private person. Of what course. if they don't want me to intrude? And what if yeah. I'm violating or overstepping? So, mm-hmm. bottom line, what the most important message is that you care. And yeah. that's what they are going to receive loud and clearly is that yeah. you care. And so, like, what I've gotten in the habit of doing is texting the person and being like, mm-hmm. well, initially I'll share my sympathy message and be like, you have no yeah. obligation to respond. Don't even worry about responding. I, I know that you're just yeah. overwhelmed right now and swallowed up in it. Yeah. So I just want you to know that I'm thinking about you. Mm-hmm. And or if you're reaching out to somebody, even if this is something as simple as they're having a tough time with something unrelated. Yeah. Hey, here are four options for dinner. Cafe Rio. Yeah. Panda Express, whatever. And so you give them like four options. Um, Do you have, or do you have any thing that you absolutely will not eat? I'm dropping this off at seven. Yeah. Just don't. And not making it like an, like them feel like you're taking pity or whatever because that's not at all no, what it yeah, is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And a lot of times that's how people come across 
and it's not that they mean to and I I mean sometimes maybe they, they do they're like I want to take care of whatever but no grieving person is comfortable in honestly reaching out when they are low low until they have healed a a part of them. I know that literally it took me two and a half years to even when I was like in the dumps, like just not okay to even send a text to a friend and be like, Hey, I'm not doing too good. Can you like hang out this week? And then I can't have expectations on that though. And that's something I've had to learn too. I've had to learn like, okay, I can't just expect them to be like, yeah, for sure. I can do whatever just because I am, I'm dealing with this trauma because I'm a traumatized human being. I can't, you know, people do still have their own lives, but when it comes down to it, we're all humans. We're all in this together. We are all going to lose something, someone go through loss. We need to be vulnerable. We need to have compassion being vulnerable is the thing that is going to lead to I love you doors. said that cuz I just yes. I've been making notes and that's yes. like at the top bolded yes. letter is vulnerability yes. and that is a portal it's huge it's transformative it is yes. what you need to bridge the gap because yeah. and you had asked why is it so much easier to talk about politics than it is to talk about grief? I mean, there are a few different (laughs) answers for that. Part of it, it's easier for the ego to talk about, you know, if you're self-soothing or whatever. And I mean, you know how people can get pretty (laughs) heated about politics and part of it is a way to make yourself feel better. Mm -hmm. Just touching on the surface, not getting, digging into that psychologically, but it's so much easier because sometimes it can kind of boost your ego a little bit. Sometimes well, and if you're not you directly righteous impacted. anger or you're not directly impacted, but that's, that's exactly what I was yeah. going to segue into because vulnerability is talking about grief Yes. because that brings up vulnerability that mm-hmm. evokes your vulnerability because, Oh geez, that could happen to me. Yeah. And, or this is really uncomfortable. Yeah. We're going to like connect human to human here. That yeah. can be really uncomfortable to think yeah. about that and to get intimate and to face your own, insecurities or like potential losses and Mm -hmm. somebody's loss and it's just really really tough but it's necessary it's so necessary and and not even and so you know talking a lot about um what other people can do for those going through traumatic events or um i i also really want people that have been traumatized or you know are are working through it or trying to find ways to cope, anything like that, um, to, to kind of talk to them as well, because it's, it's so important to be vulnerable, even though you don't want to, or you don't feel like it's okay by society's standards. You, what is it? Jay-Z's quote, you can't heal what you don't reveal. Like, like, dead serious though. (laughs) It is like, I, you know, it's the cliche little sayings that I find myself being like, no wonder, yeah. like, no, yeah. no wonder that is like, a that's, thing. that's why that's a cliche. Yeah, yeah. Because seriously, if you're not showing that, if you're not, you know, openly being like, Hey, I'm not good right now. You're not going to get what you need from someone because uh, I mean, there. We, we can't read minds either. Mm-hmm. As much as we want to be like, hey, if someone's going through a hard time, just do things, just be there, you know, whatever. But also there's that, 
that traumatized person that has to reveal themselves in ways. And that's taken me a long time. Mm. I mean, and a, unfortunately, a big reason for that is because when I was revealing it, because I've always been very open person with my mental health and with that kind of stuff. I mean, when I started psychology, my psychology degree, 10 years Oh my god! Oh my god! No, 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 no! Not ten oh. years ago. I was like, oh "Holy cow! How old am I?" See, numbers, not my thing. Um, but you know, I have always just been an empathetic person. Really looked into that. And when you're traumatized and you're going through hard situations, if you are not opening yourself up to people to help you, at least in some type of way, I mean, it does not have to be your neighbor that you, you know, you're crying past that you have to like, be like, I'm just not okay. That's not comfortable for you. And sometimes like, you don't want to do that, but sometimes just let yourself feel it all. Mm -hmm. Let yourself open it up to somebody because you could be in trouble. Mm -hmm. You could really be dealing with something that is changing, not only core characteristics of you, but your health. Like, oh my God, I my health has taken such a turn mm. in the last three years that it's been, it's been, I've been extremely scared. I've been, you know, other times I don't care. Um, I've, you know, all of these emotions and thoughts, and I would love to talk about them with, you know, a friend without my friend being like, you're dramatic or, you know, whatever they think my problem is, my problem is my problem and it's what I'm telling you it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not what you're telling me back yes, that it is. Yes, I can't like, oh my God, that's like, I hate nothing more than when I'm like really like, all right, I'm revealing, like let's, I'm going to talk about this and then I am just shut down by, you know, someone else has gone through this too, Sydney. You haven't had it that bad. Or, you know, this, this, this. The comparison. I'm like, oh, man, that's okay. And then that traumatized person backs off. They don't, they don't feel comfortable revealing anymore. I mean, I know that I went through that. I, oh, man, the friends that I, you know, along the way I lost and the friends that have stayed and you know, the people that have really just come forward and the people that you thought would be like such a huge help ending up just making it worse, maybe oh, even. Yeah. It's yeah. just, it's just those things you're not ever prepared for and you're already going through a traumatic situation. And so when you open yourself up like that to people that you trusted and then you get backfired on, oh. And then you close that all in, that's when the health problems start. And that's exactly what happened with me. Um, in the first year, I I completely stopped eating. I, I had no appetite whatsoever. Like, it was gone. I could not eat food. I was drinking insurers, like, daily. I was like, insurers, insurers. You know, I would go to the grocery store to buy them. They're, like, in the aisle next to, like, the walkers in the shower, like, the grandma section. And I'm like, well, this is just my life. And I didn't get down on myself for it because I was like, hey, at least I'm doing this. Yes. Like, I was at a point where I wasn't eating and I just didn't care. And then I was like, no, okay, I'm going to drink insurers. And the reason I was even, like, thinking that was because... 
a friend of mine said, hey, you need to be getting your nutrients. Have you ever tried drinking insurance? Mm. And I was like, oh my God, you changed my life right there because I didn't have it in me to even look up, like, how do I keep myself, how do I keep nutrients in my body? I almost said (laughs) neutrified. I am a really smart nourished. Yeah, (laughs) nourished. Oh my gosh, thank you. I was like, there is a word. (laughs) Okay. But yeah, I mean, the grief process is lonely. It's, it's lonely and... And even lonelier when you're met with words oh, like, yeah. can you not get over this? And that's something... Too sad. Yeah, that Western society, unfortunately, our Western culture runs to. Yeah. And if you look at our sympathy cards, we're trying mm-hmm. to reframe right. it. Hey, sympathy cards. And gloss it over with positivity and try to reframe it in a way that's positive. And sure, I can understand the intention behind that. Of course. And that can be valuable totally. in certain ways. Absolutely. Yes. But also sometimes that can do more harm than good, too, yeah. because it kind of unvalidates mm-hmm. the person's grief yeah, and kind of and nudges that, them along. Like, let's just move oh it along and we can move on and know this is a good thing and we're happy. Yeah. See, we're happy. Put a smile on and yeah. we can be happy. And then, like, you say something about your dead loved one or something and then everybody is quiet <gasps> and changes the subject. Yes. And it's like, wait, I wanted to tell a story. Yes. But, you know, so, to yes. heal. But, to like, heal. I haven't been able to do that. Yes. So. In option B, Sheryl Sandberg, it's the book that she wrote with Adam Grant. Love them both. Mm-hmm. And she talks about her grieving process. And she talks oh, about wow. when she lost her husband, the things that people would say, well-meaning. Yes. But the things where they didn't want to bring up her dead husband mm-hmm. and they didn't want to mention him. And she's like, I would have loved that. I would oh. have loved to keep him alive and to still talk about I him. I will forever keep Matt alive because I was going to forever, like in one way or another, have Matt in my life because he was just the energy from the get-go with that kid. I just was obsessed with him and he was obsessed with me and we just were just... We, I mean, yeah, it was just love, yeah, love for the ages, and that kind of love doesn't go away even when the physical, physical being of it goes away. That's just, it's, it's still there, and I still would like to talk about it every now and then without walking on eggshells and being like, oh, you know, I, I'll say his name, and my family changes the, changes the subject so quick because they're like, we need to make it positive for Sydney. And it's like, no, this is positive. And you're slowing down my grieving process right now. This is, this is, I, I want to not be at home alone thinking about this and thinking about all of my emotions and missing him. I would rather be with you guys talking about him and ask me what his freaking favorite dinner was. Ask me what his favorite color was. Like every now and then, I'm not saying all the time, that's not because I am not trying to be defined by my traumatic event and what I went through the and who I lost. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it did change me. Sure. For good. It was a very important part oh my of your gosh. life. Yeah. I'm a, so I'm a hundred percent different person. It's like with anything else major that's happened in your life, an important relationship, mm-hmm. an important event, an important era. Mm-hmm. Think about that. If it was, let's say positive or negative, and I'm using air quotes because yeah. I don't believe in those labels, <laughs> but so you wouldn't just pretend like those didn't happen. So yeah. the positive events and yeah. people, you wouldn't be like, oh, it didn't happen. But so you, <laughs> why do that with the naked, with the so-called negative? Oh right? my God. So I. Important is important. <laughs> I saw somebody. So I'm in a, I'm in a, a grieving group um, mm. because that was just absolutely detrimental for my health from the mm. get go. I was like, I especially growing up, having this small town, everyone Mm. close-knit, you know, like, whatever. Mm. 
I had to join an outside group and I, I have loved it. I've been in it ever since I'm in a grieving group, um, for, for girlfriends and wives. And so I like that it's a specific one because we can mm-hmm. talk about things that, um, might pertain to us in, in the same way other, a little sure. bit more. Yeah. 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 Um, <laughs> one of the things that we have talked about before is, um, how utterly, just confusing it is to go forward with events that happen yearly that are we see as positive and be like happy you know happy third birthday it's like oh god another birthday like they get they get another birthday party and it's like well the same thing is the same thing happens with you know death anniversaries and holidays and all of those things and it's like okay so for the past two years because in seven days, it'll be three years since, since, um, he passed, but two years I spent his birthday just by myself ordering our favorite food, not, not being able to eat it and just internalizing everything. And, oh my God, that's so unhealthy. I, I should be externalizing it and celebrating him. And that's what people say. They're like, well, you should be celebrating him this day. And it's like, I'd love to, could you maybe... I mean, celebrate him with, with me. me. I can't mm-hmm. like, I mean, I'm just, you know, I, I'm sitting at home with my cat. I'm like, I love it. I love it. But like on days like this, when it is more so, maybe I can't be alone. But I, it, humans are not meant to be alone. We just aren't. We are the opposite of addiction is connection. Yes. Yes. It is. Yes. I mean, forever and ever. I cannot stress that enough because when we're alone, it's your mind will run you, especially when you're traumatized, because basically in the meaning of trauma and what the DSM-5 requires is um, to be characterized as traumatic is when a person's emotions and regulations and cognitions are negatively altered and that's not just a, that's not a choice. No. That's, that's a, that's, you know, I mean, that's a, that's, <laughs> that's like a sickness, a disease. It is a disease entering your body that people can't see. So they're like, uh, are you really that sick? And it's like, mm, I think it was like my fifth ER trip that I was like, <laughs> I was like, the chest pain isn't going away. And it's there and it's very real. Yeah, and it's it's very real. And I, you know, that I'd get to points that I was like, okay, like, how do I know? I got diagnosed with cardiomyopathy and that's just a fancy term for broken heart syndrome. And it's supposed to be one of those that uh, doesn't stay long. It usually is supposed to just last like a few months and then it kind of heals and and I then got diagnosed with prolonged grief disorder. Yeah. And I was like, it ain't you. <laughs> so I'm there, like, okay, yeah. it's still there. Okay, let's get to the root of this. Oh, I haven't really been able to heal not alone. I've been alone. I am so alone. And I... That affects oh my you God, and yeah. the healing process. Oh, 100%. Well, especially because you, when you are a traumatized person... And it negatively affects your cognitions and your emotions. You 
aren't going to be the freaking life of the party. No, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm sorry. I am not old Sid. I, I, I can't tell you how many times I have said that to people. I'm like, I'm sorry. I'm not old Sid. I'm sorry. I'm not old Sid. And it's like, well, if you even liked her before, I don't know. She's <laughs> wacky too, but you know, it's just, I'm not. And I had something happen to me that changed a lot of me because that's what it does to your brain when you go through a trauma. I could not control that. And for the people that think that anybody can control that just because they hide it better or don't talk about it as much, that's not real. That's not, it's just not the way it works. I mean, we, we have these emotions as human beings and trauma affects affects a person's ability to feel the full range of emotions. Like, oh my gosh, I have multiple times been like, I feel nothing. There is nothing there. I have lost it. And I'm like, what's wrong with me? Like, what's going on? And then I talk to, you know, other people that are, you know, in my grief group, or I have, you know, talked to my doctor out of the 700 times I visited and go in there. Um, and it's like, no, so cognitively you lose the ability to feel a full range of emotions that you were able to feel before. And some of that can be irreversible if you don't use the right coping mechanisms and get on top of it and have support. You cannot, you, ca- you just cannot get through traumatic events by yourself. No, and your well, body's like, responding to it and dealing with it yeah. whether you consciously are or mm-hmm. not. And that's why when you repress, however you're dealing with it, your body is abso- absolutely somatically oh, yeah. dealing with it. I don't know if you've heard that quote, your biology becomes your biography and your biography mm-hmm. becomes your biology. It can change your brain chemistry. And we were just oh. geeking out over the body keeps the score. Oh. Such a big fan. If of this you have book, not read the body keeps the score, read this book. I had to read it in my undergrad. And then I remember being like, I'm going to read that like seven more times than I have because it's absolutely necessary. It's the body keeps the score by Bessel van der Kolk. I hope I says his, said his last name right. But, um, it really goes over all of the different impacts on the inside of you when something distressing, extremely distressing happens in your life. And those effects can be fatal. Those effects can be mood altering. They can cause you to be irritable. They can cause you to, that's why understanding, I mean, you don't have to know what someone's going through, right? Like I don't have to, you know, put myself in your shoes. I, you couldn't do that with me. I couldn't do it with you because we don't have each other's characteristics, but to at least educate yourself on what it's doing to their body and what it's doing to their mind is super important because as strong as, you know, we like to think that we could just get through anything. We're strong. I'm strong. You know, you know how many times I've heard you're so strong, Sydney. I'm like, Oh, am I though? But I'm like, you know what? I'm like still here. So maybe, I guess, but I would love for people to know what it's doing to my body without having to explain it because, I mean, it kind of goes similarly with other diseases, sicknesses, things like that, that people go through that we have all this empathy for, which we should, because I mean, someone gets cancer, that's horrible. And that's traumatizing in and of itself, first of all. And people respond to that, not like, 
I mean, I don't actually personally, I don't know a lot of it, all, all that because I personally have never had cancer, but it's, it's seen and diagnosed. And so I feel like people are more receptive to that and kind of are like, oh, and see the significance of it impacting their health, obviously. Mm-hmm. But trauma is doing extremely fatal things to people's bodies and nobody I just feel like nobody's having those conversations. Right. Nobody really is like, hey, you know, like I noticed, like I've had a few friends that luckily have been like, Sid, are you okay? Like you're pale. You're this, you know, you're, you're, and just concerned. Mm-hmm. And then I've had a couple people be like, oh my God, why don't you just like eat something? Or why don't you just do this or whatever? And just, I'm like, ah, that'll fix it. Okay. <laughs> All right. I'll do that. <laughs> Well, that's what I like about that. The body keeps the score, too, is because yes. he grounds it in neuroscience. He grounds mm-hmm. it in science, and he delves into it deeply. Oh, he's yeah. He's so thorough and comprehensive, and that's what I love about it, too. Yeah. And he's covering all the bases from different angles, from a social angle, from a yes. um, neurobiology angle, from all these different angles. Yeah. And memories, so, especially. That's memories. a huge yes, one. Like, absolutely. I love the way that he talks about memories because... The way that people talk about memories is so different. There's two major differences in the way that people talk about um, their memories uh, that can either be positive or that were traumatic. And it's how these memories were organized and stored in their brain. And so this, again, is like how how differently people can react to trauma and grief and all of these things because there are so many different ways to take it. Mm-hmm. And then other than the memories and how they're organized, your physical reactions to those. I mean, I, I have had a memory pop up and I had to go and throw up. And it's just that's my physical reaction to that. And I've had to, you know, okay... What can I do for that? What can I do for this? For for my eating, I will say I got started on EMDR. I started doing that. That's eye movement desensitization um, reprocessing. And I... Which can be powerful. How it is. How is it for you? I'm horrible. Oh. <laughs> no, so, no, it's it's great. But do not do it till you're ready. Mm-hmm. And do not do it... You know, you really want someone that um, you're confident in, that you've been seeing for a little bit mm-hmm. to be the one you're doing this with. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's obviously very trained and, and has the, has all of the training on, on EMDR because it is such an emotional, intense thing to go through. It's like therapy times a hundred. You're really reliving a lot of stuff. Would um, you be open to people reaching out to you for further to talk about it? Yeah. Yeah, of course. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I am open. I am open about people reaching out to me, um, even with personal things. You know, like I, I don't think that things that I have gone through should stay personal with me, because I think with seven billion people on the earth, obviously other people are going to go through it. Maybe not the same exact way, but I want them to have someone that's like ahead of them in it, like. To say, well, does this get better? And I can be like, no, it actually doesn't. Because I'm going to be honest with you and I'm going to talk to you in a very honest way because I think that that's a superpower to do. Um, I know that one time I had a conversation with a girl that had um, lost her boyfriend and it had been eight months. And I was like, I am honestly proud of you for leaving your house. Like I was, you know, telling, and she was like, Oh, and I, and I told her I, you know, I was at like two and a half years at that time. And 
And she was like, so it, does it get better? And I was like, I'll let you know. <laughs> I was like, I, I mean, there's define better, you know, like there's so many different things and I'll have those conversations with you because I, because I wish someone would have had them with me. Yes. But also like, I'm glad that nobody went, you know, through whatever. And, you know, I didn't have that with someone, but, but it's like, if I would have had that with someone, I kind of would have been just a little bit more mentally prepared. And there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, you're never going to be mentally prepared for a loss, but it's not stigmatized too. And either like you would just kind of have an idea what to expect, kind of can relate to someone, understand how it's affecting them. And if it's affecting you, you can understand why it's affecting you that way too. Oh yeah. And people have different thresholds too. And so sure you don't, we're not saying you have to bear all and there's Mm -hmm. something wrong with you if you don't and how dare you. Yeah. So vulnerability can look differently for you, but as long as you're connecting with someone Someone. through vulnerability that requires vulnerability, but you just have to connect and share. Mm -hmm. And so so thankful for Sid, who is happy to come on here and to share her experience because yeah. that means That's, so much. That can be so valuable because then people can understand this yeah. more. And that's why it's important to talk about because then we can understand, oh, this is an okay experience to have. Yeah. This is a human experience to yes. have. This is natural. That was one of the biggest things in talking to someone that had gone through the exact situation, her boyfriend passing away. And so in talking to someone that had just been through really like, you know, the same situation yeah. as me, but just being not as far along and talking and telling her, you know, at her point, what I was doing and what I was going through and what I was feeling and seeing on her face, the relief (laughs) and the, the, you know, and yes, she started bawling, but I was like, I, I'm not going to, I, I'm not going to tell you anything different. I want you to know that you're not crazy. I know that one of the things was feeling just that you, you know, you're doing everything wrong or that you are, you know, if you even, look in a male's direction. It's like, you're cheating on, you just feel awful. And I'm the shame and the, the guilt. shame and you're the doing guilt. something wrong. You oh, are yes. wrong. No. You're wrong for everything. Oh, yes. So when I told her, if you can relieve that. Oh from my someone, God. Oh gosh. When I had told her about like my first, like eight, th- kind of eight months in how I had like been handling it and what I was doing and going through, she was like, Oh my God. Yeah. I have been doing the same thing. I thought I was crazy. Mm. I'm like, no, you're not crazy. And so just as much as we've talked about how people go through grief and loss and all of these things differently, we are all humans. Yes. We are all, you know, we all need that connection and, and help. And if you're able to talk to somebody about it that you don't relate to, that's great. You're still able to talk. And then if you're able to talk to somebody about it and you are getting, you know, validation in your feelings oh my god there's oh, no better feeling through the grief exactly process a, oh my god or in life yeah like, or in life validate me that i cannot tell you that yeah. right there is just one of the ultimate feelings mm-hmm. if not the ultimate feelings to feel which is sad human. that we're like yes. oh i need that but like we no it's it. not we absolutely that's how we're wired to feel yeah. seen to feel heard to feel yes. understood Yes. Oh, cannot and it just, like, emphasize that enough. And it just multiplies when you're going wow. through grief because you're going through something that you're like, I extra need to be seen. Mm-hmm. I extra need to be heard. But you're not going to go forward with that because you don't want to, I mean, this, 
stigma or not talking about it because we don't want to, you know, get into it or feel awkward or whatever, ditch those thought processes as best as you can because all it's going to do is help people. I mean, the health deficits that people face from bottling everything up. I know, like, you hear it from the time you're a kid, like, don't bottle it up, talk about it. But, like, traumatic experiences, you bottle those up and they... I mean, they don't just disappear. Oh, God. They're in your body. Yeah. So it will fester. Mm-hmm. And what you repress continues. Yes. And what you try to shove down, it mm-hmm. will persist and it will pop up somehow in yeah. some usual toxic way. You'll feel awful. Usually the people around you. Yeah. <laughs> feel pretty awful. And they're yes. like, oh, my gosh, it's I wish you. Manifesting as bitterness or resentment yeah. or anger or irritability, irritability yeah. all of that. And or it takes a toll on your body again. Like yeah. it will affect you. Yes, it does. And 100%. people around you. And well, yeah. And if you're not able to talk to those people without feeling like you're bothersome um, or being told when and how to move on and that, you know, those feelings that you're having aren't going to do you much good. Uh, It's like, okay, but I needed to feel those. Can I talk to you about those? Because you've got to You've got to talk about them so that you're able to not be alone with those thoughts and feelings. And it it, it can be uncomfortable for people, but it's not about you. Yes. It's about that traumatized person that is, I mean, maybe it's finally or maybe it's they're opening up to you. I think the worst possible thing you could do is shut them down when, when a traumatized person is is opening up because it is so hard to do, especially if they're having health problems. I mean, I've, I've been, uh, I, I'm very open with it with my my friends and my family with, with um, my heart problems that I've had because, I mean, I'm like, I, I need to talk about it. I don't want to be scared sitting at home thinking about this by myself. And I want to be able to talk to you guys about it. And also, I mean, I was diagnosed with prolonged grief disorder And I remember after I was diagnosed with that, I went home to my family and was like, I mean, I don't want to like be rude to you guys, but a little bit of this is kind of like your fault because I wasn't able to grieve properly because I felt like I was walking on eggshells and I couldn't talk to anybody because you all were like, no, don't make her, it'll make you sad. It'll do this. It'll whatever. No, that's not it. That's just not I, I wasn't able to grieve properly, and so it caused my grief to take a, a worse turn and a longer turn. And I've had a really hard time coming to terms with that. I can imagine, and I'm so sorry that's been your experience. And it's it's hard if we're not given the tools that we need to know oh, how God, to respond. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so we've talked about a lot of what not to do. And again, if you've done this in the past, this is how we learn. This is how we all get yeah. better. Yeah. We learn, the more we learn, the more we know, the better we can be and the better we can do. So hold space for the person. That might yes. be an annoying catchphrase that you've heard a thousand times, but it's because it's true. Just And that just yes. means allowing the person to feel their feelings. For however long. They need, for however <laughs> long to say what they need to say, to not try to control it, to not try to jump in and fix it, to not yeah. try to minimize your own discomfort, and not because not you realize you're doing it. Yeah, and not because, like, you're not a good enough friend to help them through or anything like right, that, right, but just right. because this is not something that can be fixed. I mean, just like you can't fix mental illnesses with... You know, I mean, sometimes you need antidepressants. Sometimes Mm -hmm. you need, you know, you can't 
fix diseases without medicine. You can't, it all goes along in that, in that cycle because we have to start looking at trauma as a, as a disease, as something that happens to someone that they can't come back from on their own. Right. And that indicates that it's long-term typically. Uh, It's not an acute injury or wound that you can just pour some medicine on and it's going to immediately I'm make like, it I would better. have bought it all. Yes. <laughs> and and just think about that too, as you're responding to someone who's having a hard time, yeah. you're not going to have the perfect phrase that is going to undo the trauma. We don't trauma. even want that. We don't no. even want that at all. Like I never once was I like, mm, I wish they put thought more thought into that message. <laughs> I wish that was 300 characters instead of two fifty. Like, you know, like I don't need that. I don't want like I don't. It's just, it's not what you're thinking about or feeling. You provide me any type of like little relief or that I can talk to you without feeling like I'm in the wrong for feeling things that that's, oh my God, you just, you just helped me like immensely. You're, you're trying to provide relief. You're not trying to fix it. You're not trying to undo it. You're trying to provide relief. And maybe that looks like you don't know what to say. And so that's what you say. I don't know what to say, but I'm here for you. I'm here to bear witness. I'm here to validate your feelings because the feelings, feelings aren't right or wrong. Feelings are feelings. Yeah. You don't get to tell somebody if they're feeling. No, your feelings aren't right or wrong. Or for how long they can have them. Yes. And so you're there to provide relief and to just be there for them and with them. And however long it takes, like Sydney said, and that's. Well, and sometimes it's forever. I mean, you're never going to. You know, you might be healing from this your whole life, uh, but who you are and whether or not you stay that irritable, sad, introverted person that hangs out with her cats every day, like myself, (laughs) (laughs) or you, you know, you start leaning on people more, you start reaching out, you and those people lean back and they, you know, they're not sending me gift baskets and that's not what I want, but they're just sending me a text that says, hey, sending you my love today. This must be so difficult for you on what you're going through. No need to respond. I love you. I mean, it's as simple as that, really. Like I see that text and it's like, no, I, you're not just like, I, I don't just feel like, okay, everything's great again, but I feel support and I feel validation and I feel like I am able to feel my feelings a little bit more because of you doing that. Which is amazing. And there are different ways to check in too. Yeah. So there's a simple text here. I'm going to read some questions that you can ask instead of how are you. Yeah, we don't like how are you. (laughs) What is something interesting that happened today? What have you been reading, listening to, watching (gasps) lately? How can I make your day easier right now? Oh my God. What has improved for you today? What did you do to take care of yourself today? Have there been any changes in how you're feeling? What made you smile today? Oh my God. What has been hardest for you this week? Is there anything you want to talk about from your day? How did today compare to yesterday? If you could do any part of today over again, what would it be? What would you like to be different tomorrow? What was the coolest part of your day? What are you most excited for this week? What do you wish you did more of today? And so I have some more. I haven't been asked like a single mm. one of those like it might like I'm obvious I have I've got a lot of like memory loss problems after after all of this but it's mostly short term and I can't remember much in the beginning so it's like in the beginning obviously when it was everything and everyone and and I'm I might have but those are not questions that 
I have been asked in a really long time mm. or if at all. It's not, you know, I no, not even not even by family. Seriously. And those are things that like while you were reading them out loud, I was like, I would have loved to answer oh that. Oh gosh. I would have loved to answer that instead of well, why are you still, like, sad? Like, what, you know, like, well, what do you want to do then? Like, you know, I no. just... Pushes up. Yeah. That's one more thing that you have to deal with, More one more thing you have to think oh, about and yeah. answer and take care of. And... Yeah, and, like, telling you about, you know, like, especially you saying, like, what have you been watching or uh, or reading lately and stuff like that, that can be huge for people because to get their answer, you can kind of be like, okay, that's probably helpful with their Mm -hmm. process. Or you can be like, oh, that's interesting. Like, let, you should tell me about that. And just like, whether it's getting their mind into a different mindset or you say, oh, I want to watch that with you. Like, there's just so many things that can come out of telling a traumatized, grieving person these type of things you were reading opposed to the the awkward thought of, I just don't want to bring it up and, and, and text them and stuff. I don't want to make them sad. We are already sad. Yes. <laughs> we and, are sad. Yeah. And questions like these structure it for you. So it's yeah. not like you have to kind of try to temper, like, how am I going to respond? Are they going to, are they in the mind space that I can actually be honest and yeah. say how I'm feeling? And or like, then you have to think up whatever. When you ask pointed questions like that, pointed in a good way, mm-hmm. then it structures it. It it gives it direction and flow, and then mm-hmm. it's something that they can grab onto, and it's a baton that they can take and run yeah. with, and then you can follow their lead exactly. instead of them, like, just putting more. Again, you don't want to burden them with any more. You're trying to provide mm-hmm. relief instead of... Yeah. Well, oh, it's also one of those answer? things, too, that it's like you say that, and then... You know, so say that was a hard day for me. So I kind of just told you a little bit. And Mm. then another day I'm having a good day. And I remember you asking me those things. So I text you and I go, hey, that show that I was talking about the other day, do you want to come over and watch it tonight? yeah. It gives me like the strength. Mm -hmm. You really do get your strength from other people. I can't like say that enough. Like I have been so weak and my strength has come from other people in so many ways. And my weakness has come from has come from, has came from other people in so many ways. I've, I've felt like I've taken step back, steps backwards because of things people have said to me. Um, and the steps forward are just, just amazing to make because you feel the progress. You feel it. I had a moment, um, a little while ago that literally I, I felt a little like, literally piece of uh, like my heart that had felt gone for the Mm. last three years kind of beat again Mm. or be there again and it was just like Uh, oh I took like a yes Yes. oh my god I like immediately told my best friend I was like oh my gosh I think I'm like a little bit more alive I feel a little bit more alive and he was like oh my god that's amazing Sydney and was just so happy for me and those things too please celebrate the growths the the things that they do that might seem little to you but are took them all the courage in the world I mean there are just so many things that I haven't been able to do that. I'm like, once I'm able to do that or once I get that feel like that emotion back, cause I'm still working on my range of emotions and 
how many I've lost that I would I would love to have back that I don't yet but that I'm 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 working on but those aren't going to be fixed by anybody you can't make me feel an emotion so don't push an emotion on me but once I get there, let's celebrate it. Yes. You have to celebrate your little successes mm. when you are traumatized because otherwise you just are focused on what you need to fix and not what you did. Like what? Oh my gosh. I made that move. I did that. Like I remember like when I first went to the ER for my heart, I was like, I felt stupid. I was like, this is not whatever. And then when they like told me what was going on and all of that, I was like, okay, I feel like better kind of knowing what's going on. And that was like actually important for me to go and do. I don't, you know, and I wanted that to be celebrated yes. and not looked down on. Yes. So it's like and those little successes. Would it, would it help? How would you personally, <clears throat> would it help for somebody to like extend an open invitation? Cause ideally they would notice them and be right there. Yeah. But that's just like but not life. Sure. They have lives. Totally. Yeah. So would it help for them to like kind of extend an invitation, like invitation, like let me know, like those mm-hmm. little successes that you have, let me celebrate with you, mm-hmm. and or um, for them to like reach out every so often and be like, hey, had any little that. successes? Okay. So like I think that any time that you are thinking about someone for longer than five seconds. I think that anytime that someone is in your head for longer than five seconds because you're like wondering how they're doing or you are worried about them or, you know, anything like that, a traumatized person and text them, text them and just say, Hey, if you feel up to it, I want to know about like what's been going good lately and what's been going, you know, just all those ways you phrase different questions and you look them up, watch some Ted talks, do, you know, those kind of things. And I think just frequently little check-ins are amazing because a lot of the times with grief and losing somebody, you got a lot of, you got flowers everywhere in the first little bit and then they die and then people get over it and people move on with their lives. And that's, I mean, you're, they're supposed to. You're not, it's not like you're and asking them I'm to, not, yeah, no, God, no. Yeah. But, you know, I, my trauma is still so very mm. real for me that if you are in my life and we share a friendship or your family, um, you know, those little check-ins are amazing. Whether I have anything to share or I don't. Because it, it takes the pressure off of me of like being like, do I want to text them and tell them I did this? Because what if they text back and are like, cool, well, that's not really like, you know, like what it's that scared feeling of like, they're not going through this. They won't get it, you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. But it's also like, but I want help. (laughs) I want to not be alone. (laughs) Speaking of check-ins, I have some more and some of these will be repeats, but I'm going to read some more. What's been the toughest part of your week? What's the best thing that happened to you today? Is there anything I can support you with? Mm. What's a reoccurring thought you've been having? Oh, my God. <laughs> I had a feeling like I, saw that and I, was like, I think that's going to hit. Oh, my God. That one hit. <laughs> What's the theme of your week? What's your biggest concern right now? What are you proud of? And what have you learned about yourself recently? Reoccurring thoughts. I cannot stress that one enough because that one comes down to legitimately like possibly saving someone's life. Mm. I mean, there are, I think of, I think of loss when someone dies in someone's life like this, like the people that are closest to that person are, you know, five feet away from them. And that person 
you know, blows up. Those people are affected. And then the people a little bit further away, they're, they're 10 feet away. They're affected still. It just not, it just didn't hit them as hard. Or, you know, then there's the 20 feet away, all that kind of stuff. Those people that are closer, I mean, it is statistically shown that they'll have, you know, suicidal ideation, suicidal thoughts. That's, it's, it's a, it's a normal thing. And to ask people about their reoccurring thoughts and with no judgment and to really want to listen for an answer, it, it could save someone's life. Ooh, I yes. mean, it just, it, it could. And I'm not saying that you then would have to fix them. I'm saying that them even just talking about it and being able to say, I don't really want to be here and not feeling crazy for it is, is so healthy because it's like, oh my God, wait, you're not telling me, oh my gosh, you shouldn't feel like that. And then I'm even more negative about feeling that way. Cause you're not going to take the feeling away. I'm still going to feel like this, but you're telling me, yeah, I get that. That's you. You have a right to feel that way. But one day, one day you won't, you might not feel that way anymore. So just like hang in there. And then like, what pizza sounds good tonight? Yeah. <laughs> like bring me a pizza. You know? Yeah. No, but like, it's those things. And with, with suicide rates. And then also, I mean, you know, I went, really hardcore for, for suicide, but that is, I mean, it's very prominent obviously, but, mm. but drug abuse and, you know, when people are alone, we turn to very unhealthy coping mechanisms to deal with our trauma. And that's, I mean, a lot of the time that's when people are blamed, you know, drug addicts are looked at in a poor way because, oh, well, they're doing it to themselves. You know, a lot of those people only started using drugs because they went through a trauma that affected them so deeply that they couldn't talk about with anybody and had to deal with complete, completely on their own. And they didn't want to deal with it on their own anymore. Yes. So they turned to something that didn't talk back. Yes. And like you said, it, connection uh, is connection opposite of the addiction. opposite of addiction. And I, when I first heard that, I have, it like just struck me on the floor. Yeah. Like it absolutely is the case. And I did an addiction series and mm-hmm. that was, it's tough. So tough. Oh and my God. coming from, I mean, there are different flavors of addiction and mm-hmm. there, who is that guy? Uh, Gabor Mate, mm. who talks about addiction and how there are different acceptable forms of addiction. Oh, yeah. It could be argued that we all have our own form of addiction. I'm addicted to coffee. Yes, it's like, what's more okay. respectful, <laughs> respectable, and acceptable in society. Yeah. So think of it that way, too. And also, let's say that you're dealing with addiction or you're dealing with a hard time right now mm-hmm. and you haven't necessarily experienced a loss, please don't shame yourself or allow other no. people to shame you into not accepting where you are and your feelings and Mm -hmm. you're having a hard time and that's the bottom line and that's what needs to be addressed we don't need to dissect should you be having a tough time yeah well did you have a hard life maybe you had a golden childhood with wonderful parents (laughs) (laughs) and so that it does not mean that you can and shouldn't have yeah. addiction problems or a hole that you're constantly trying to fill maybe you just don't feel connected and you're just wired a certain way and or and so mm-hmm. that's you never got the, the help reality. you need yes. you got you know yes. when you told 
someone that you thought you might need counseling, you got laughed at. And so you were like, oh, I am never going to try to go to counseling again. Or, yeah. you know, it's all of those things. And your chemistry, maybe in your brain that you were born with, like that oh, yeah. could be driving all of this too. Like there are so many, like we said, yeah. different ingredients in the mix, mix that could be driving these things. And so let give yourself a load off. So yeah. try not to shame yourself. Try not to shame other people for the same thing. Try to reserve judgment too. And just try to connect where and if you can. And part of connection, this is kind of in the same vein, kind of not, is to practice vulnerability and practice giving and receiving. And I did a recent post about friendship and receiving and not trying to always be the one who has it all together and the one who doesn't mm-hmm. need anybody's help and the one who... Yeah. Because that has it together, yeah. Because that person usually needs the most help. Sure, absolutely, absolutely. The people pleaser. Yes, and so just try to accept help where and if you can. Because if you don't, yeah. a lot of times resentment builds because mm-hmm. oh my gosh, people stop checking in with you, and then you feel like you're always giving, mm-hmm. giving, giving. And, and I'm guilty of receiving. that as well. Me too. I mean, I am guilty me of too. you know people checking in uh-huh. on me, but because I was like. I don't want them to be like, I, I was worried what their response was going to be, mm. that I wasn't honest in my response of, I'm not okay, or I'm struggling with this. I'd be like, I'm doing okay, how are you? You know, and then it's like, ah, I just pushed them away because I was worried about what they would do. Yes. So it's really honesty from both sides that and you've got to give and give and pull. That's why it's so important, too. I harp on this a lot, and I'm a big believer in honestly answering. I know sometimes, like, if it's just like a cursory greeting on the street, you're not going to like get into, actually, you know, like I'm really having a tough time and there's the, I'm like, I will. (laughs) Try to answer honestly. I love when you ask people and they answer honestly and it's not just, I'm good or I'm great. And if you are great. Like I told you this morning, like I was like, I I love Mm -mm. that. So let's get in the habit, you guys. That's, that's where I remember at the beginning when Sydney said that words matter and so Mm. let's be mindful of what we say let's be mindful of how we respond let's be mindful of how we interact with each other let's be more authentic and sincere and real so when someone asks the next time someone asks you how you are answer honestly please answer honestly. and the next time someone like offers help or something and when you're asking please listen Ooh, oh, oh my god when you are asking oh someone gosh. i know that like you see your coworker and you're going into work how are you good how are you okay i get that but like when you're asking someone how are you doing please listen to them oh answer gosh. because that changes so much when you look at someone and they're actually looking you in the eyes or or wanting to listen to what you're saying especially after going through a trauma where Everyone knows your story. Everyone knows what happened. Everyone knows you're probably not good. But then when they ask, I'm like, oh, do they really want to hear? Or should I just, you know? And if you don't want to hear, don't ask. Don't Don't ask. ask. Don't ask. Literally, I'm like, if you don't want to hear, don't ask me how I'm doing. Because I will tell you that I am not good. I will tell you that I woke up with the puffiest eyes this morning. Like, I will tell you all about it. And hope that I get, like, a little bit of, like, love from you to deal with it. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. And so you can tell when people aren't really asking sincerely when they really don't want to know. And or let's say that you ask, but you're uncomfortable. Let's say that you're uncomfortable talking about feelings. Mm. You're uncomfortable when somebody answers. I highly encourage you slash beg of you 
to sit with that with yourself and to try to dive into that and to try to figure out where you're disconnected from yourself and from others Mm -hmm. and how you can get comfortable because that has the ripple effect that we're talking about. That's where we can damage other people when we don't show up for them. We can betray ourselves and not be there for ourselves. And that has a ripple effect, whether you or not you think it does. And so that's exactly what we're talking about Mm -hmm. is getting comfortable with being uncomfortable. Yeah. And daring to sit with that, to sit with the hard feelings. Yeah. No, we have to sit with the, we have to sit with the hard feelings because unfortunately life kind of sucks a lot of the time. I mean, we go through a lot of hard shit as humans. We go through it. And so someone's going through it. Oh my God. Just... (laughs) listen to them, be a source for them. You know, if they're, if they're, you know, negative and irritable all the time, because that's where they're at in their life. And, and you kind of can't handle that in your life. Okay. Take a step back, you know, look at your relationship with that person, you know, look at what that person is probably going through with their, their, their mind being completely distorted. I mean, I really think about the fact that, you know, I always think back on, okay, well, it's been this amount of time. Shouldn't they be over it by this, this and whatever, because trauma is so much more than the story that someone is telling you about Mm -hmm. their trauma. Trauma is the physical sensations that they felt when that happened. And those physical sensations being just as present later on, like the, the physical sensations that I felt when I was traumatized when Matthew passed away, I have felt, Mm. I have felt recently. I, you know, to a certain degree on some of them have been absolutely horrible. And that's, that's trauma. That's, that's how it impacts you. It can be just as disruptive as it was the day that your trauma happened. And that's something I really want people that haven't, you know, gone through a really traumatic experience or that maybe have and don't know how to talk about it to understand is that that that's normal to, you know, I I mean, just to give a little example that's like, because I, no shame, no shame whatsoever. I uh, was just feeling absolutely awful and I just not sick or anything. I just threw up thinking about it. I just threw up and was like, what? And I'm like, okay, but that's, that's my body responding to this trauma and having a physical sensation that I had when the trauma happened, that happens. And you should feel like you can address that with people without getting like the, geez, you're crazy kind of look or, well, it's been three years, Sydney. Why, why would that happen now? Or, you know, are you even trying or, you know, all that stuff is just, it's just such a process. And it's, it's such a hard thing to, to go through. And it's such a hard thing to watch people go through. I know that my siblings watching me go through it was, oh God, my, I, I felt so much pain for putting them through my pain, like them having to see me as low as I was and am at times, but you kind of need to see that to get the realization that this is, this is more than you and me. This is, this is a force. This is something that happened that I can't do alone because we can't do the, we can't, we can't do it alone. No. I need to talk about it. I mean, I need We're to talk about it way. freely. Mm-hmm. I need to talk about it without tipping, tipping, <laughs> tiptoeing, um, around like on eggshells that like, you know, my family's going to be like, Oh, Sydney, 
Now let's talk about something else. Cause they're like, you know, you're not going to be happy until you stop talking about it. And it's like, that's not how it works. Yeah. And it's not that I'm talking about it because I just like can't get over it. I'm talking about it because that's how I move through it. Because I went through this situation. I'm going through this situation and not just going through the trauma, but the relationship I had before yeah. what I lost, I am still losing that. I, I was a certain person and I was that person because I, because I had Matt and because I got to have my relationship with him and because of who he was, I, I got to be this person and then I lost Matt and I got to be this person and it's shaped me. And, and those are very present, both of those. So it's not just about the loss and the trauma. It is also about what it is you lost and listening to people talk about that because when you're grieving someone, you're going to kind of always need to just keep keep their memory going. And so please let people talk about their loved ones. Ooh. Oh my God, please, 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 please. Or just, or just don't be, don't, if you can't do that for someone, it's probably not right for you to be in their life. Yeah. If you can't listen to them, you know, discuss, you know, a memory that they're like smiling about it's yeah I mean just don't don't put yourself in that position because you're not helping them in any way and I'm not like singling you out like oh my gosh you you suck but like maybe you're just not able to and you have your own way um and that's fine but that is something that I know personally deeply grieving that my grief process would be going a lot more not not positively, but just in a way that I felt more validated, that I felt better if, you know, I got asked or talked about things like that. And I'm not saying all the time, but every now and then shit, it'd be nice. It's like, it's never because people are like, I don't want to bring it up. It's up. It's up. It's been up. It's going to stay up. I didn't want to make you sad. Um, I already went like, I'm, I'm, <laughs> You can't, <laughs> you can't make me sad. Again, back to that like range of emotions that, that, that gets taken and that people can't feel anymore after trauma. I mean, that happens as well. So, I mean, just let people talk and listen and, you know, really listen to what they're saying because a lot of the times they're not going to come right out and say, I'm feeling suicidal. They're going to come out and say, Hey, do you want this and this and be giving away some of their stuff or there, there's so many little signs. So I really just encourage you to do some research, do some research online. I mean, just read some books on, on ways that it affects people and ways that it can come out in a bunch of different varieties. I mean, you would never know some days talking to me. I'm like, I don't shut up. <laughs> I really don't. Like, I've been told this by everybody in my life. I'm loud and I don't shut up. Yeah, okay. I grew up with three brothers. I had to be in order to be heard, okay? <laughs> um, but you would never know hanging out with me one day and I'm, you know, I don't shut up and I'm talking, all of that kind of stuff that I, you know, the next day had a suicide attempt and that, you know, I barely recovered from that or that... You know, there's, there's just so much you don't know. And the same goes for whatever someone is feeling 
due to their trauma is okay and is acceptable and is right. No matter what they're feeling in regards is going to be wrong or for you to say is wrong. So I just want those people to know that there are so many different varieties of what you're going to be feeling and what you what you're going to be feeling about other people because you're going to be feeling really distant. I felt really distant from people. Like I was like, I'm not even the same species anymore. Like literally just change. And that's scary. It's really scary to feel like I am like my own species. (laughs) I was like, whoa. And I'm like, okay. And it just takes... the very base of it, too, because that just kind of defies our evolutionary wiring, you know? know, Because then we just, like, survival, literal survival Survival. Because then you just... If you feel disconnected from people and distanced from people, Mm -hmm. you feel like you emotionally, physically can't survive. That activates that survival mechanism. Your fight, Uh flight, freeze response in your amygdala. And that's the other... We rely on people to survive and to live. And trauma impacts your amygdala so much so in that way that... I mean, I'll just be laying in bed and I will feel like I am fighting for my life mm. because of thoughts and feelings I'm having. And that's, it's real. And because, like I said earlier, those sensations that you feel during a traumatizing process, you can feel just as intensely present day. And it's years or years later or whatever, you can feel it just as intensely. And it's, yeah, those parts of your brain. I mean, I'll tell you, those those aren't just something that you can be like, no, I'm not affected. It's it's they they're affected, and you have to take the correct coping mechanisms. And you need support and someone to talk to. Whether if you don't have, you know, those those friends that you feel like you can talk to, or, or family you notice is just kind of sick of hearing about it, or you just don't feel comfortable talking to them therapy, counseling. I mean, mm-hmm. I absolutely love counseling. I love it just for the for the sensation of talking to someone that's not involved in my life in any way, shape, or form. Yes. And just kind of getting there like, oh, you, okay, you've been feeling this lately. You know, just, I think that that's always a great, I mean, even if you haven't been through a trauma, just go to counseling. And, and you don't have to wait till you're in crisis mode. No. That's good, just maintenance for living. Yes. And also just because you don't respond to certain things in a certain way mm-hmm. just because you don't have the same sensations, the same bodily sensations, yeah. the same emotional responses. doesn't mean that other people having those different ones aren't valid or legit. Yeah. So leave space for variety and for people responding and reacting to situations and trauma in different ways. And so yeah. just because maybe something wasn't as tough for you and maybe it was tougher for you, yeah. don't invalidate someone else's response. It may differ from yours. And be there for them if they're having a different reaction. Yeah. Well, it's it's all about learning from those those experiences, too, of, of when you're talking to someone and, and how you are treated during those conversations goes into how you feel about yourself and what, and what goes down in your mind. I mean, I... Absolutely. Yeah. If we're shut down, like I, I, I've talked to people and been just completely shut down for what I was feeling. So I became sluggish. I was numb. I was back to just, you know, why did I even try to do that? I'm going home. And then I was boring Sid. That's too sad. And you know, all those things. But 
I didn't care even about those thoughts about me. I just cared that I was, I, I was shut down and it had that big of an effect on my body. And it, as long as people are either hyper aroused or shut down, they can't learn. You're not going to learn from this experience or grow from your trauma if you are being shut down or hyper aroused. And it's just fact. It's fact for, I mean, even any experience in life, it's fact. That's how your, your body and your brain reacts. And if, if you, if you want that person to cope and grieve and heal, then it comes down to your reactions to them being, you know, something that they can trust and build off of so that they're able to grow and learn instead of stunt their growth and stay in the same spot because they were shut down completely. I've been shut down so many times that I'm like, okay. And then when you're shut down, you just continue to feel what you're shut down about for, I mean, oh my God, months and months and months. And then it's like, why haven't you moved past that? Um, because the last time I talked about it, I just like, whoa, you know? And it's like, I got past the, um, the feelings of, of, um, you know, just feeling bad for, for wanting someone to talk to me because that's just, I mean, I, I have to, I, I, I have to have that. I talk a lot to my cats, but like, you have to have that human, human interaction of someone talking back to you, even if they are not saying anything that's like, you know, whatever. They're not saying anything that's telling you, you know, this is what you can do. This is what you can do. But just like listening and looking at you and giving you that again, validation, baby. Like, it's just so important. It's just, it just changes the way you heal and the way that you grieve. Totally. And you want people to feel safe with you too. So let's say that they are having suicidal ideations. Yeah. They need to feel that they can actually come with you and trust isn't built overnight and that safety isn't necessarily built overnight. And so if you're wondering how do I have patience, more patience with someone or with myself, how do I have more bandwidth? How do I, how can I show up better for someone that happens when you connect to yourself because the more connected to yourself, the more you can connect to other people. It's a direct proportion. It's a direct link. And so whether someone's dealing with like short term, uh, let's say like emotional hijacking from their trauma response or like cognitive hijacking, let's say that Mm -hmm. someone is having like a hard term, hard time, short term or chronically, with either of those, with either of those that I are... totally lost my <laughs> yeah. But speaking Chronic. of, like, cognitive hijacking... Yeah. Um, speaking of short-term <laughs> memory loss, <laughs> there it is. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> but you, the more you can connect to yourself, the yeah. more you can show up for them. Which is an amazing point, and I'm so glad you brought that up, because I almost forgot to touch on that with, mm. with how important... Um, how important your, it's a a psychology term um, that we use all the time, your sense of self. Mm. And if you, trauma is your response in your mind and body that's just, it's too overwhelming for you to handle. Mm. And so that's, that's what trauma overall is. It's deeply disturbing and distressing 
and it, it and it's causing, like I said earlier, um, that negativity on your cognitive um, abilities. So your abilities to make decisions are negative because that's what trauma does to you. You don't have a choice. It, it does that. Um, so that's important for people to realize that like, no, they're not trying to, you know, stay negative. They're exactly. not trying to, you know, or to tell someone you're not trying hard enough. Oh my God. I will punch them. No, cause you're, they're trying. And sometimes there are things that you could do to try harder, but that's just not, don't, Say it like Say, that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And yeah. that's why educating yourself is so important. Yes. So by reading like this book, The Body Keeps a Score, just mm -hmm. doing research here and there. I mean, we're not yep. asking you to get a PhD in this. It's just to try that's to inform yourself more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sydney will do it for you. I'll do it. But that's just why it's so important is to just learn what you can with yeah. this. And yeah, that's how you're going to be more aware so you can have more patience with someone and understand, okay, that's why they're responding the way they are. Yeah. That's why they're not able to, in your mind, try harder. Yeah, and to cope. I mean, and to cope. in coping, this, this, this trauma causes that intense feeling of hopelessness. That's just, that's, that's a feeling that inevitably comes with traumatic situations. And what that does is completely diminish your sense of self. And your sense of self is your perception of all of the characteristics um, that you possess and then the perception um, of those characteristics. So that's what your sense of self basically is. It's, it's yeah, you know, your personality, your likes and dislikes, your moral code, um, motivation, things like that, and how those are perceived. And so if your sense of self is being diminished you overall are not, you're not healing and you're not getting any type of hope to keep going because you don't even, you don't even believe in yourself. So that's, that's just, that's, that's a really big thing that I know I struggled with a lot because, and even currently, I mean, I lost myself and I am still finding myself and it's a really hard thing to do to be like, who am I? And like not even trust yourself and have, you know, I mean, I have got, you know, all the thoughts and none of them are wrong. I'm just, I'm confused and I'm trying to figure it out. And being able to talk to people about it is just awesome. Mm. It's just really great because then, you know, it's, oh, you think that about me? It's like, as much as we tell people, like, don't listen to what people say about you. It's also, like, really nice to listen to what people say about you in, in certain situations. Like, if I'm really needing to talk about my trauma, I, you know, you're not going to hurt me by being like, hey, well, I think you could be, you know, like, well, let's try, like, eating healthier. It's like, yeah, I, I do need to do that. Like, I do need to do that. That's a part of me that needs to be put into my motivation. Boom. There's, like, a help in, in getting myself back. And... But it can't be pushed, can't be forced, it can't be fixed. It's something that I have to take control of, but that we all need to talk about with people that are going through losing themselves due to trauma because it's common. And I hate saying this, but I'm like, it will happen to you. I was <laughs> like, inevitable. Dun, yeah. dun, dun. I'm like, and <laughs> it will happen to you. Like, I'm sorry, like loss in any way, shape or form. I mean, I, it might not be to a certain gravity that, that scares you a lot, or it, it might be over that gravity. I know I got punched in the face. It felt like with, with that. And, um, it's, 
it's just something that every human goes through because every human has someone, has something, has, you know, or, you know, has, has those characteristics that can lose a part of whether it's something else or someone else or even themselves, which is just as devastating. Like you were saying, loss of yourself is, is, is just as devastating and traumatic. And so being able to really work through that is just something that I want us to talk about yes. more. Oh my God. You know, like I've, 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 I've gotten so many of that. I wanted to reach out, but I didn't because I didn't know if it was the right time and stuff like that. And I get that. I was the same exact way before learning about all of this and then going through it personally, same exact way. Take the risk, take the risk with these, with people that are hurting because I mean, they're already going through it. They're go and not like you're going to add to it, but they're going through it. And I, I can't think of the last time I was like, a damn so-and-so for checking up on me. Screw them. <laughs> Screw them. They brought me a mac and cheese. <laughs> I hate them. How em. dare they? And even if you don't eat mac and cheese, like, <laughs> I, know, I know, like, me. You can have something else. Yeah. What what matters is not that they brought mac and cheese. No. What matters to me is that they thought of yes. you. Yes. So relieve and that pressure on yourself for yes. bringing the perfect thing. Because I know I feel that pressure. Yes. Oh, but I want it to be perfect. Yeah. That's not or what like it's feed about. enough people yes, or be, that's not what it's about. you know, like if they're gluten intolerant, like you were talking uh -huh, about earlier, uh -huh. that's not at all the no. concept. What you did for them was just provide a little relief. That's yes. it. And that's all that they want. That's and all they want. They don't even want the mac. I mean, I would want the mac. Maybe I'd want <laughs> the relief matters most. Yes. So, bottom line. Yes. And doorbell ditch if you need to, you know, just. Oh, like, yeah. 100%. Them. Yes. 100%. So they don't, if they're not feeling up to seeing whomever. Then yeah. just doorbell ditch and get out of there That's so they know that favorite. you're thinking yes. of them. Yeah. But then... I have felt so whole. Oh, gosh. Like, yeah. I felt so good when I've had a couple friends, like, that I've opened up to. And they've been like, mm, yeah, she's just not doing good. And they have just... And they know, like, I'm not up for even getting out of bed. I'm not moving. I'm not even coming to the door. Like, whatever. And just leave, like, a little something on my porch that it's not like... I want gifts and candies. Uh, no, God, no. But like, even a you note. thought of God, me. Just a note. Yeah, a yeah. note. Oh my God. If you leave a note in my bell box, I'm happy as yes. hell. Like yeah. I'm, I'm putting that on my fridge like, yes. because you thought of me yes. and that means I'm validated as a human. And that gives me a sense of myself back because yes. you made me feel like a human again. Yes. I literally have a note from a hard time that I was going through and I had a group of three friends and they sent me a note. They just left the it. Best. I think, it, I don't even know if it was a doorbell ditch. Could have been. Yeah. And it's still on my fridge. What, oh, yeah. like five years later. Yeah, I love notes. it means everything. I write notes oh. literally all the time. I'm like, hey. <laughs> yes. So lead with love. Just bottom line. Lead if you're unsure of what to do, just lead with love, how you're responding to yeah. what they're saying. Because Listen. loss sucks. Loss, loss sucks. sucks. And if this kind of makes you just feel uncomfortable, A, embrace it. But B, <laughs> I read a really good book called Bittersweet by Susan Cain. And I love how she explores all of this. And she explores, especially our society's discomfort, especially Western culture's discomfort with yes. death and how different cultures oh, yeah. approach it differently, like the Mexican culture uh -huh. and the Iranian culture and the, the Asian cultures, Japanese cultures. Yeah. They have different rituals mm -hmm. that they do to honor the dead and to accept the dead. So 
life is like permanent healing kind of thing that we don't really do as much or have as much I know that's something I'm always jealous of in certain you know religions that I look at and and things like that because they find a there there is a sense of closure there yeah and having faith and my spirituality has been huge huge for me I would I'd be lost without my spirituality and that's uh that's something that a lot of people you know don't have or that they want to have and so to read up on it and and get an understanding is I th- is is amazing because you can never know too much you never know too much and I think you said this before we started but mm-hmm. Sydney when we were sitting down you said believe in something and I think that that yes. is oh my god vital. if you don't believe in anything I mean it goes along hand in hand in you know when I when I went through losing my person, I was like, what? Everything that I, everything that I've believed in and thought and planned for the future for the last five years and everything, that's gone. That's okay. I have to like rebuild. I have to, okay, so what am I going to do? Okay. I got to, I got to find things I can really believe in and that will give me, give me a sense of self. And that's, so important. It's so important to believe in something, whether it's believing in a religion, believing in deeper an spirituality, idea, empathy, an idea, yeah. or even believing in someone. Uh-huh. Like it's 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 just all important to believe in something because it keeps you going and in anchors space. you. Yes, yeah. absolutely. Okay, so thank you yes. so 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 much. Thank you everybody for daring to to listen and to have this conversation and to yeah. sit in this discomfort. And again, books that we recommend, The Body Keeps the Score, Option B, Option B is by Susan Cain and Adam Grant. No, Option B is by, what's her name? Sheryl Sandberg (laughs) and Adam Grant, and then Bittersweet by Susan Cain. Um, Yes. yes. So many resources out there. Reach out to either of us, too, if you want to further this conversation. If you're feeling isolated and lonely, Mm -hmm. if you're wanting some more direction or guidance on how to approach certain situations or things with yourself, with others, know we're in this together like we've been repeating over and over. That's redundant, but... We've we've been been redundant about... (laughs) Redundantly repeating (laughs) over and over. (laughs) No shit, though. Yeah, but but really, though, but but it's important, though, because it really drives it home, and I... I can't tell you how many times I've had a conversation with somebody about, you know, this being so important and about, like, you don't know what someone's going through and you can't tell them that they're wrong for that or whatever. And they'll be like, yeah, you're right. And the next time I see them, they're saying some, saying some shit that's just so uneducated on what we just talked about or that they, like, forgot that they, that other people go through things they haven't gone through. And I'm like, wait, wait, wait. Remember what we talked about? So that's yes. why I feel like I repeat things so often. I do it with, like, everyone. But I also just repeat myself. I have short-term memory loss. <laughs> <laughs> so so I don't know. I love you so much. Uh, okay. Well, where can people find you? Um, so on Instagram, you can reach me anytime. Uh, <clears throat> my name is Sydney Hammond. It's spelled S-Y-D-N-I-E Hammond, H-A-M-M-O-N. Um, you can find me at Sydney, it's S-Y-D-N, and then three I's and three E's, um, or on Twitter, and it's Sydney Hammond on Twitter. Um, I, I always try to get back to people with, I, I get a lot of DMs and just questions a lot of the time, just, 
oh, you're so open with your mental health or whatever. Or how did, how does your family take this or that or whatever? I will always get back to you on that stuff because I pride myself a lot on being open about that because I didn't have anybody to ask about that stuff because it was kept so hush hush. I mean, I, (laughs) I basically, I basically have diagnosed my entire family with certain things. Every time that we go to the cabin, we have CNC with Sydney and it's where we go in a circle and I give them each a compliment and a criticism (laughs) And and I give them each one and they really take it and they really listen to what I'm saying. And, and it's just, it's, it's, I mean, I, it's something that I, I have a passion for. It's my education. I mean, I'm spending all my money to go to school for this. And I've been through a lot of this. I have, you know, mental health issues myself. And, and I know that I would have um, probably had a better outcome with some of my healing and coping mechanisms and not turning to bad habits and things like that if I had had someone that I could just openly ask questions to. And that's not always your family. That's not always your friends. Maybe it's someone random on the internet. So Don't roll it out. Don't yeah. roll it out. Yeah. I've asked people before and I've been like, but granted, they didn't like get back to me because it was usually like celebrities. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, hey. <laughs> but whatever, it's fine. <laughs> Maybe one day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's going to happen. Yeah. So, yeah, reach out. Ask me, um, you know, if you want to know more about EMDR, if you want to know more about things to say and not to say uh, with with traumatized people, if you want to know more about trauma and just what it does to the brain, um, obviously you can look that kind of stuff up, but I can, I mean, I'm always open to, to get back to people with questions and, and talk about it because it is my passion and educating people and that's what I was put on earth to do, I believe, especially with, with, uh, making, making Matt proud. That is my ultimate goal is to, to help other people that are going through, through this and helping them through it because I know I wouldn't have gotten through it without, you know, my support system. So essential. Okay. Essential. Well, thank you. Thank you for listening and thank thank you you. for being here. Yes. Thank you. We love you. I was deep. (laughs) Ha, 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 ha.